just before we get going, we have a praise report. Bob uh, gave me an email over the weekend, and he has a job that he starts out on Monday. It is a, it is a temporary job, but it is a, has the potential to lead to something permanent. So he starts out with that on Monday. He was not able to be with us today. He's playing someplace else. So we'll have to catch up with him at another, another time. We're going to be over in a number of different scriptures, ending over in Romans. But uh, you can just look up on the screen as we hit the different ones or follow along in your Bible, whichever you prefer. You often hear that there are two kinds of people, those who see the glass half full and those who see the glass half empty. How many have ever heard that? Well, I'm going to propose to you that there is a third type of person. That's the person who complains that it's not bottled water. How often it is that the things that go on on the inside of us depend on what happens on the outside. That uh, if it's not going our way, we don't quite like the way things are. Boy, we tell you, we find complaints. We find reasons to be upset. Things about that. We've been talking about being effective in prayer. And last week, we started off looking at how do I become effective in that in Philippians or Philemon Uh, Verse 6, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. If we're going to become effective, the word there, the acknowledgement was the word epignosis. You remember that from last week? It depicts a well-instructed, intensive, deep knowledge of the facts. You need to know all the good things that are in you. If you know all the good things that God has put in you, your prayers will be effective. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails a few things, avails much. We need to make sure that our prayers are effective. Too often we want to make our prayers long, but that's not the idea is not to make our prayers long. It is to make them effective. The things we need to know is, first off, know who you are in Jesus Christ, know what is yours because of Jesus, and know every good thing that God has placed in you by Jesus. Every good thing that God has placed in you by Jesus. You need to know these things. Well, we're going to take a look at a couple of different topics that people pray about and see how it is that we can pray more effectively on those things. Last week, we talked about the car and the keys and the ignition. Remember that? The keys and the ignition is what makes the car work. Car has all that power. All that ability to do things for you, but it just sits there unless you have the keys and you put the keys in the ignition, right? The key is the word of God. The ignition is your mouth. You put the word in your mouth and the car goes. You put your, the word in your mouth and the word will be working for you. Your prayers will be effective, but you got to take the word, put it in your mouth. What happens if you take the keys out of the ignition? What happens to the car? It stops. If you take the word out of your mouth, what happens to the effectiveness of your prayers? It stops. Too often people make prayers of faith and then leave and make declarations of doubt. The word needs to stay in your mouth at all times. You got to keep the keys In the ignition. Well, we're going to look at joy. First off, what is joy? A lot of times people get confused about what is joy. And we are praying for what we think is joy, but it's not joy. But we put this term joy on it because joy is in the word of God a whole lot. And we know that's a good thing to pray for. But joy is not happiness. Joy is not happiness. 
Happiness and joy are two different things. That's why we have two different words. Joy comes from the inside out. Happiness comes from the outside in. That's the difference. There's joy and there's happiness. God's joy is from Him. He's the source to our spirit. He's the source of joy. It comes from Him. Happiness happens when things around you are going good. Are you happy when bad things are going on around you? No, you're not happy. You can still be joyful, but you're not necessarily happy. Happiness is based upon things that are going on around you that are good. So a lot of times people are praying for joy when actually they're praying for happiness. And they use the scriptures to talk about joy, but they're thinking happiness. Well, you see, you got to get it straight. What's the word of God talking about with joy? Joy comes from the inside and works its way out. Happiness is from the outside in. So we got to have a good understanding of joy so that we can have our prayers be effective. Because in order for our prayers to be effective, we've got to take the word and put it in our mouth. We've got to be speaking the word. In order for our prayers to be effective, I've got I to know who I am in him. I've got to know what he has done for me. I've got to know what good things he has put on the inside of me. In Romans chapter 14, verse 16, Therefore do not let your good be spoken of as evil, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy, where? In the Holy Spirit. The source of the joy is God. How it gets to you is through the Holy Spirit. God is the source. The Holy Spirit is the path. Or he's the connection to that joy. And that joy comes and fills us up so that we can get filled with joy. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 15 verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Who's going to fill you with joy? God. How's God going to do it? Through the Holy Spirit. It comes from God. It comes through the Holy Spirit into your spirit. And it says that you may be what? Read it again. Now may God, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. The goal is to have you full. If you have the ability to be full, then that means, all right, God is the source. The Holy Spirit is the connection or the path. And then you become the reservoir. You can hold a certain amount of God's joy. There is a certain amount that you can hold. It's not infinite. Because it says that you can be made full. If you can be made full, you can also be empty. You can also be over full. If you're over full, then the rest of it's running off. So there is a reservoir that you have. There is a certain amount of joy that you can have on the inside of you and it can be full. There's a certain amount that you can hold. And he says that I want your joy to be full, to fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is our connection. He's the path. We are the reservoir. But joy is like 
This is in your outline. Make sure you get this. Don't forget this. This will, this will help you get a picture of this. Joy is like faith. When joy is on the inside of, of me, I must act on it. How many of y'all know you can have faith on the inside of you, but if you don't act on it, it doesn't do anything. James wrote a whole book about that. If you have faith without works, I'll show you my faith by my works. If you have faith on the inside, there should be some corresponding action to it. If you have joy on the inside, there should be some kind of corresponding action to it. It's like faith. There should be something that is produced from the joy that is on the inside. So we have God who is the source. He's got big joy, lots of joy, plenty of joy to go around. And he, by the Holy Spirit, sends the joy to us so that we become a reservoir of that joy. The Word of God talks about our joy being filled. It talks about our joy being full. He wants you full of joy. And then once you are full of joy, you have certain things that you do from that. If you have a reservoir around here, we have a couple of reservoirs around here. And if the reservoir is full, there are certain things you can do in that. If the reservoir is empty, you can't quite do as much. If the reservoir is full, you can do, go up there and do boating. There's lots of room for fishing. Probably you can do some swimming. But if it gets low, then the beach areas are kind of, the water's not by the beach areas anymore. There's not enough depth in there for a boat to be going in there. All kinds of other problems go on. Now we want to have full reservoirs. Full ones are good. In Matthew chapter 13, Verse 20, but he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So he receives the word and he receives it with what? Joy. When we receive the word of God, we receive it with joy. I mean, we're glad to have the word of God. We're glad that we got that understanding. But it also comes with the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, we have joy. He comes and he, he's the one who imparts to us the joy of God. So that joy is coming to us. Now, if you have a problem with your car, how many have ever had a problem with your fuel in your car? Maybe uh, you know what the car sounds like when it's out of fuel. And so, you know, we've, if you go out there and you start up and, or you're driving for a while and it, it has, makes it sound like it's running out of fuel, well, the, what's the first thing you look at? You look at the gas gauge. Why? You want to see what the reservoir of gas says. How, how much reservoir do I have in there? Now, sometimes the gas gauge can be broken and it can give you a bad indication of what happens with uh, with the reservoir. Have you ever heard, uh, I've, I've never had a car like that, but some people have told me they had a car and the gas gauge was bad and, you know, you can't trust it. It may say you have a half tank, but you may have nothing. It may say you have a, a quarter tank and you may have three quarters of a tank. You just don't know what it is and they just, every once in a while, stop by and they fill it up. That's a tough way to, to go, but most of the time our gas gauge are working. And so if we have a problem with fuel, the first thing we look at is, is there fuel in the reservoir? If there is fuel in the reservoir, what's the next thing you need to look at? The connection. Is it getting from the reservoir to the engine? Is, is there anything going on? See, sometimes we can have joy on the inside of us and we're full, but it's not having any corresponding, uh, any, any, doing anything for their actions. We aren't acting on it. 
We're doing nothing with what we have on the inside. And if you do nothing with it, you may as well not have anything there because you're not getting any benefit from it. So if you have all kinds of gas in the reservoir of the car, but it can't get to the engine, then there's no function from the joy. There's no function from the gas. What good is it? He says that they receive seed, the stony places. They heard it with joy and immediately received it, or immediately received it with joy, but there was no root. As soon as the word of God comes on the inside of you, the evil one comes and he tries to take it away. There's persecutions. There's trials. There's all sorts of things that he throws to try and get you taken away. But when it comes in, you have it with joy. Now, keep that thought. I want you to keep that thought as we go on with some of these, these things here. In John 15, verse 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. First John 1, 4 says exactly the same thing. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. The goal of God is that your joy is full. He wants you to have a full gas tank all the time. Not looking at an empty tank, gas tank. He wants you to have a full gas tank. When you pull up to the gas station, doesn't the gas station have a whole lot more gas than you can ever put in your car? And it's got that connector. But in order to get it out from where the gas station is into your car, you've got to take the connector out. And then you've got to sit there and hold it. You know, in some of the gas stations, you ever been to this? I mean, after a while, you've been to all the ones in your neighborhood. And you know which ones are set up right. We've got one in our neighborhood and about half of them doesn't have that little thing to click. That when you put it in and you can just hit that little part and it just holds it there. And so you don't have to sit there with your hand and hold it. Now, you know, if you're filling up, you know, any one of your tanks, you know, a little puny little tank, 10, 12 gallons of stuff that you're putting in. You know, that's no big deal. But I'm not filling up 10 gallons of tank where I go. That's 30 gallons. You know how long it takes to pump 30 gallons? It takes a little bit of time. And so you, you, I don't want to sit there and, and hold it the whole time. Now, especially in the wintertime, you get on out there. I don't generally have a coat on, certainly don't have any gloves on. And so you get on out there, you stand out there by the gas tank, and you take the, the gas handle. What is it? It's metal. And you sit there and you hold it. Now, if you had gloves, I don't think I'd wear them anyway, because if you have gloves and you have the gas station, what happens to the gloves? They smell like gas. That's worse yet. You know, at least getting cold, you warm up. <laughs> so you stand out there in the cold, hold on to the gold, cold uh, handle, and you pump the gas up. That's not a fun way to do it. I'd rather have one of those little little uh, things that just clip on and just hold the thing there for you until it's all filled up. That's a whole lot nicer, isn't it? Well, he wants to make sure that your joy is full. And when it's full, we need to act on it. There was a, uh, there was a little boy... And he's out at the store and the man behind the counter was so nice. He, he leaned down to the little boy and he gave him an orange. And his mom said to the little boy, he says, now what do you say? And the, loy, the little boy, you know what mom's trying to teach him. The little boy looks up at the man and he holds up the orange to him to, to give it back. and says, peel it, please. <laughs> I don't think he quite understood what mom was trying to get across there. <laughs> well... We got to make sure that when we get what we got from God, when God has put that joy on the inside of us, that we know the appropriate thing to do with it. That we're not just sitting there with a full tank and there's no corresponding actions to it. There needs to have a, an action. Now, most of the time when joy is mentioned in the New Testament, it is during times of trials. Most of the time that joy is mentioned in the New Testament, it is during times of trials, like we saw 
with the sower and the seed. When the seed was sown, it came in with joy and then persecutions and trials, so forth. Knocked it out. In Acts chapter 13, verse 49, And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city, raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. But they shook off the dust from the feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy what was going on around them. Trouble. Trouble. We've got all kinds of stuff going on around. I mean, nastiness all over. So much so that they came out of the city and they shook the dust off their feet. They only do that when it got extreme. But they said they had, they went into the city. They're in there to, to do good, to preach the gospel, do some good things. And some people got in there and stirred up trouble. So the whole city was in trouble. The whole city was in turmoil about this thing. Well, this isn't any good. How many remember remember the uh, movie Music Man? It's one of my favorite movies. I love the Music Man. If you don't know what that is, go home and watch it. <laughs> but he, he comes on into the city. He's a salesman. And he's looking, how are we going to get our foothold in to sell these people what we want to sell them? And so he found a pool parlor that was opening up. And so he came up with this whole song. River City's got trouble. Trouble, 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 trouble. Got them all convinced. That they thought everything was fine. But all of a sudden, now they're convinced we've got trouble. <laughs> He got them convinced that they had trouble. And it didn't fill them up with joy, did it? They were troubled. When these folks had trouble that went all around them in the city, they came out of the city, shook off the dust, and went on. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. When persecution, trials, and trouble comes your way, this is the time for joy to shine. This is the time that joy is going to shine. Not happiness. It doesn't say that they're happy. It says that they are joyful. Filled with joy. Acts 20. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. This is Paul. Except the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. What awaits them? (laughs) Trouble. (laughs) He's got trouble ahead. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify that the gospel of the grace of God. Tribulations, persecutions, trouble. What's on the inside? Joy. Every time it seems that we're mentioning tribulations, trouble, joy is mentioned. Second Corinthians verse four of chapter seven. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. So whenever tribulation come upon him, what's he saying? I am filled with joy. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great, a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberty. Great trial of affliction and the abundance of their joy. Great trial and affliction, 
abundance of joy. You see the tie-in again? First Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 1.6. This is the city that had all kinds of trouble. And you become followers of us and of the Lord, have received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't that sound an awful lot like the parable? They received the word with joy. But these folks received it with joy and they kept on going. It didn't, they didn't snuff it out. Received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. James chapter one, verse two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Again, joy and trials are tied together. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Persecution, trials, troubles, and joy. Happiness abounds when things are going well, but leaves when tough times come. Joy is marked not by how good things are going around us, but by what works in us when storms and tribulations arise. When storms and tribulations come up, What is at work on the inside of you? What is at work on the inside? When storms and tribulations are all about what's going on on the inside. This is where joy is supposed to be reigning. So when we pray and we say, God, give me more joy. Oh, Father God, I need more joy. What are we saying? (laughs) In essence, folks, what we're saying when trials and, tri- trials and tribulations are all around me and glory to God, I'm having joy on the inside. Because it seems to be tough to pray that tr- the joy comes up on the inside of you except when there's trials and tribulations. It's almost hard to even find a place in the scripture where joy is mentioned without trials and tribulations. How many want to pray for joy? Colossians 1 verse 10 that you may walk, this is a prayer that Paul has, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Now, we just got into the word long-suffering on Wednesday night. Long-suffering, this is when trials and tribulations and persecutions are coming upon you. And with that, joy. Joy. Now, let's take a look at how it is. Now we got a little bit of idea what joy is, how joy works in our life. Let's look at how we are to pray for it. In Romans chapter 15, verse 30. Romans chapter 15 and verse 30. And I didn't copy it into mine, so I'll read it off here. Now, I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ, that through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. That word there, strive together. What he's saying to them is, I'm asking you folks over here. In Rome, that you strive together with me in prayers to God. That you strive together with me in prayers to God. The word strive together are taken from the Greek word, which is a compound of two words. The first word, soon, means together and carries the meaning of doing something with something, someone else. It carries the meaning of doing something with Someone else. So when this word is involved, you're not doing this by yourself. At least one other person is coming along to help you. Might be more than that, but at least one other person is coming along. The, the other word means to, to, to agonize. 
Agonizno. It means to agonize. It indicates an intense agony, a violent struggle, anguish, contending with an enemy or fighting in a contest. He is saying, I want you all together with me to strive. That you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. So he's, he's calling on them to help him out in prayer. So we're looking for, for Paul is saying, I want you guys to come along and help me be, be praying in this thing. Now, well, most people, as we said this before, just fill it out here for your outline. Most people miss it in this prayer, praying for, for joy. Most people miss it in this praying for happiness and calling it by a more spiritual name. They call it joy. But they're not praying for joy. They're praying for happiness. They're praying for the external things in their life to die down so that they can be happy. But the prayer for joy is a welling up on the inside of joy so that you are full of joy so that when tests and trials come, you are up to it. Because really, tests and trials, that's what joy is made for. It is made to take on the tests and trials. Strive together to struggle in a company with or together is the short definition I put in there for you. Let's go on to the next verse. That I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. So the first thing he's saying, I want you to, to strive together with me to pray that first off, I may be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe. He's saying there's, there's some people back in Judea and they don't believe in Jesus. I'm praying that you, uh, that I'm asking you folks to join with me in prayer that I would be delivered from them. The word there for delivered is the word to be rescued, to deliver, to snatch out, or to drag out of danger. He then goes on and says, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that those who do believe, he's saying that they would accept the things that I'm teaching, the things that I have in there. Now, God doesn't come in and and change their will. So what he is praying for here is when I get in there, I pray, let them see my heart. Let them see my intent. Let them see what I want to do to, to help them. Let them see that I'm not out to get them or to hurt them or that this is uh, contrary to what they have, have learned. Let them get to a place where they can accept it. So that's what he's asking for there. The, the Greek word actually means to be pleasing, acceptable, or well-received. So that's the second thing he was asking for. That my service to Jerusalem may be, may be acceptable to the saints. Verse 32. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God. So this is the third thing he gets into. Is that I want you to pray for me that I may come to you with joy. So here we have it. He is asking other believers to pray for him to have joy. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? Why is he asking for other believers to come around with him and pray that he would have joy? Because we see from the word of God, that first off, God is the source of the joy. The Holy Spirit is the connection or the path through which the joy comes. I, my spirit on the inside of me is a reservoir of joy. Then my joy may be full. And then I have actions based on that reservoir. I have things that I do. There's, there's uh, functions that I come from. That joy. So he's saying to them, I want you to pray that I may be filled with joy. So here's the 
it, it's scriptural to pray for ourselves or to pray for other people that our joy is full. But how are we to pray? How is it that we are to pray that our joy can be full or that we have the joy for what is at hand? Again, we're not praying for happiness. The Word of God is not telling us to pray for happiness. Happiness is the cessation of bad things going on in your life and good things happening. That's different. We're talking about joy here. I put this in your outline. You can go on down there and take a look at it. The four parts of joy. First off, there's the source. Who's the source? God is the source. Secondly is the path. The path is the Holy Spirit. We need to maintain our relationship with the Holy Spirit. If we don't maintain our relationship with the Holy Spirit, we're not going to get it. It's just like with the car. If we pull up to the gas station, the gas station is the source for us. They have all the gas. The way that it gets to ours is the is the um, hose. How do you maintain the connection between your car and the hose? It's simple. Make sure your credit card is paid up. Or that you have cash in your pocket. <laughs> right? If you don't have cash in your pocket and your credit card's not paid up, you may slide that card and it'll say, Nope. <laughs> no gas for you. And and you're not able to fill up if you don't have any cash to go up to the window, then you may be at the source and here's the connection, but the relationship is messed up. See, if you mess up the relationship, you don't maintain the relationship between between you and the Holy Spirit. How's the Holy Spirit going to fill you with joy? So when we pray, I can't pray for the source to be full, can I? No, God's always full of, of joy. I can't pray for the connection because the Holy Spirit is able to get supplied to us easily. I have to maintain that connection. And you cannot... You know, just, you know, you'd like to be able to sit in front of that gas pump and say, Father God, I need this credit card to work. <laughs> no, what you need to do is maintain that credit card. Pay it off. Stop buying some stuff that you shouldn't have been buying, whatever it was. Maintain that credit card. Keep it going. You don't stand there in front of the gas pump saying, Dear Lord, make this thing work. No, you maintain it. And there's, there, you cannot pray to maintain your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You got to be in there. Then be talking with the Holy Spirit. Be letting the Holy Spirit minister to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. His goal is to get joy on the inside of you. Sometimes when you're out there studying, the Holy Spirit's going to say, study this. Go over here and read this part. Listen to this. Get into, he's going to give you things to study. Why? His goal is to get your joy full. So he's going to take you to the places that you need to have the proper maintenance to get things going. But when I say, no, I'm not going to do that, Holy Spirit. Uh-uh, I'm not going to go that way. No, no, I'm not going to do that. Then I'm rejecting what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. I'm not maintaining that relationship and prayer won't fix that. I need to confess my sins before the Father. I've, I've rejected what the Holy Spirit was teaching me. Now let's get this thing going. And we can do that and we get things uh, starting to repair. But that's not when, when you pray for joy. I'm not praying for the source and I'm not paying for the path or the connection. If we pray in that area, it's going to be useless prayer, isn't it? It won't be effective. Well, so the, what's the, the next thing we do? Well, there's a reservoir on the inside of me, right? Maybe I should pray that I have a bigger reservoir. Maybe I should pray that my reservoir can be full. Well, your reservoir is full how? By being connected to the Holy Spirit. When we are connected with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes in and brings what with Him? Joy, peace, love. All these things come with the Holy Spirit. 
when the Holy Spirit comes in, these things are coming, coming in too. So if I sit there and say, Father God, I need joy in my life. I'm saying your word isn't working. I don't think that, that makes for a very effective prayer. To go before God and say, Father God, your joy, your word's not working. I don't have any joy on the inside of me. God says when the Holy Spirit comes in, he comes in with joy. He comes in with joy. The joy is there. That supply is there. So he's coming on in with supply. So I need to just, Father God, I thank you. The Holy Spirit is coming on the inside of me. And I thank you when he comes on the inside of me, he fills me up with joy. I have the joy of God on the inside of me because the Holy Spirit has brought it in. I have that there. How do you know that? Well, the Word of God told me. But do you feel like you have joy? Well, no, I don't really feel like it. So maybe you don't. Now, see, it's starting to... Remember how we talked about last week? The devil's tactics are thoughts. Once you come in with thoughts, he's going to start sowing thoughts on the inside. Well, you're not filled with joy. How do, you, how do you feel right now? Well, I don't feel real happy. That's not joyful. You need to ask God to get some, some joy inside of you. Now, what you need to do is connect that spirit to the Holy Spirit. You get filled up with joy. I mean, what happened if you would go to the gas station? You got the source right there. You got the connector. You put the connector in. You put the money in. And you, um, you hold the handle. But you don't see anything. You don't see any gas. Anybody ever see any gas when you put gas in your tank? Do you ever see it? You're not supposed to see it. If you see it, something's wrong. They got all kinds of things going on to make sure that you don't see it. Because it evaporates real easy. I don't want it to evaporate. And so the, the tube goes all the way down inside the neck of the gas tank and it fills it right in. You never even see it go in. Maybe you can hear it. Maybe you can see the dials turning, but you can't see it. But sure enough, after you hit a certain amount, you'll uh, put that hose back up and you'll drive off thinking my tank is full. But you never saw it. So how do you know? Maybe they just ripped you off. Maybe they just had the dial spin. Had some kind of thing just made the sound like there was gas coming out. Right? Do you ever think that? No. So then why do we think that with God? When the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of you, He fills you with joy he god is the source the path is the holy spirit the reservoir is you maybe you're not able to hold joy maybe that's what the problem is your spirit was created by whom god was it created defective your spirit was not created defective you do not need to pray to god and say father god make my spirit able to hold joy he made your spirit with the ability to hold joy he made the holy spirit Part of his working that the Holy Spirit does to fill you with joy. And he is the source, which is an abundance of joy. So really, all we have to do in the area of prayer is not change the source, is not change the connection, is not even change the reservoir. What has to happen in prayer is the only faulty part on here that you can mess up. And that is doing something with the joy that's on the inside of you. That's it. We can't increase the supply. We can't make the connection better through prayer. You maintain the you, your walk with the Holy Spirit does that. Your reservoir is well able to be filled and to hold joy. Now do something with it. So what he's actually saying is, 
Let's read that again. That I may come to you with joy by the will of God. That I may come to you with joy. That I may come to you. He's coming there. He's got joy on the inside, but I want to come to you with joy. He wants his actions based out of the joy that he has. You all pray with, pray for me. He's saying it this way because what is coming against him at this point is incredibly strong. He's got the force of governments, the force of Rome. He's got Caesar upset with him. He's got the Jewish leaders upset with him. He's got all kinds of people who want to kill him. There's people all over in every city who would like to see him dead. He's got to be transferred over there. I mean, this, it is trust and trials galore. And sometimes, how many of y'all know, we can start beginning to think about all of our external things and what happens on the inside of us. I'm not acting out of joy anymore. There's no actions out of joy. Just like I have faith on the inside of me, but I don't always act out of that faith because, well, the doctor said, well, my boss said, well, so-and-so said, you know, and, and I got that, I had this letter in the mail and, well, that didn't look too good. We get all these things and our faith isn't acting even though the faith is there. So much so that we begin to think, I need to pray for faith. What happened when the disciples came to Jesus and said, increase our faith? What does he say? Father God, we pray right now that their faith would be increased. Does he do that? No. He says, no, we don't need to do that. We don't, we don't need to pray that even our joy is increased. What we need to pray, if you maintain your Holy Spirit relationship, Joy is coming inside you. When the word comes and revelation comes, what comes with it? Joy. When the Holy Spirit comes in, what does he bring with them? Joy. How many have relatives that when they come to your house to stay for a little while, bring stuff with them? (laughs) I mean, some stuff you may like, some stuff you may not like. But you know those certain relatives, every time they come, they bring certain things with them. Maybe they bring a pet. Maybe you like that pet. Maybe you don't like that pet. But every time they come, they're always bringing that pet, that animal. Maybe every time they come, they're bringing that one ornery little kid with them. Maybe every time they come, they're bringing an attitude. Maybe every time they come, they're bringing a certain language with them. Maybe every time they come, they bring a certain expectation of things they want you to do for them. But you know when they come, they're bringing something. And every time they come... (laughs) <laughs> they bring the same thing, right? <laughs> when the Holy Spirit, every time he comes, he brings a certain amount of things with him. He's got baggage. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit comes with baggage. He comes with a bag of joy, peace. He comes with, he, he brings stuff with him. He doesn't come empty handed, but it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's like those people who come visit you. Maybe you hear about them from other people. They come and they come and visit. They bring food. They bring fun stuff. They bring gifts. They bring presents. They, they bring stuff when they come. And you say, oh, they're coming. I wonder what they're going to bring. Oh, it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to them coming because they're going to bring something. And you look forward to it. When the Holy Spirit comes, He brings good things. He brings good things. Always, He brings good things. We don't need to pray for the source. We don't need to pay for the path. We need to maintain the path. We don't need to pray for the reservoir because our reservoir has been made to hold joy. What we need to pray is, Father God, I need to act out of this joy that I have. I need my actions to be those based on joy and not based on one who's being persecuted and one who's being in tests and trials. That's what I need to 
to have going on. So that's what Paul's saying. He says, I know between here and there, the road is going to be tough. You pray for me that I don't give in to these things that are going on around me, these tests and trials, and have actions based out of those. No, I want to have actions based out of joy. Remember Elijah? Elijah is under all kinds of tests and trials, and most times he responds out of joy. That's why he stands there boldly in front of the kings and tells them what they did wrong. Stands there boldly in the mountain and says, let's call down fire. And then all of a sudden he gets this thing from the queen. I'm going to kill you by tomorrow. And he didn't respond out of joy. It's just the test and trials kept coming at him, kept coming at him, kept coming at him. And then suddenly he stopped acting out of the joy that he had and he acted out of fear. He put the joy aside. Now, before we get all in Elijah's case, understand most of us have not been under that kind of pressure. And we may have caved a whole lot sooner. But he got there to the mountain and he's complaining before God. Been very zealous for the Lord. But he didn't act out of the joy. Paul says, pray for me. I need to keep acting out of this joy. I need to act out of the joy of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. Then you're, you're bold. Like some of those verses we were reading. The disciples, they get dragged before the people. And they get... Uh, beat up and so forth. And they come out. We're filled with joy. <laughs> filled with joy. I got another verse here for you. Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. That's always a fun verse, isn't it? For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. So he's saying there are certain people who rule over you, who look out for you. When we're growing up, who are those people in our lives? Parents. They are those people. As we get older, we have certain mentors, certain people that are spiritual leaders over us. And they're the ones that are looking out for us in that way. And he's saying, let them do so with joy. What in the world do you have to do with them operating in joy? What have you anything to do with spiritual leaders, people that are over you, operating in joy? Well, think back of it when you were a parent or when you were a child. And what could, could you do some things to cause your parents, to cause your spiritual leaders to not respond out of joy? <laughs> you sure could, couldn't you? He says, don't do that. Don't do it. Let them do so with joy. They're going to need to rule over you. You need to be submissive to them. Most of the times that we come into problems when we decide to be unsubmissive. I'm going to do my own thing. And when you do that, you cause them hardship. He says, let them do so with joy and not with grief. How many of y'all know there's a difference between joy and grief? How many know what grief is? Charlie Brown, good grief. I don't think there is any good grief. All grief seems to be bad. But we know what grief is. We've done some things in grief. But do some things in joy. Do the things in joy. There's the source, there's the path, there's the reservoir, and there's the function. What we need to pray is, Father God, I need to continue to order my behavior to base the things that I do, the things that I say, the things that I think, the things that I act on. I need to do them based on the joy that is on the inside of me and not on the grief that my flesh wants to pick up. I I need to do this out of the joy that's on the inside of me and not the doubt and unbelief that my flesh wants to act, act out of. I need to do this out of the joy that's the, in the inside of me and not the bitterness that wants to rise up in my flesh. Do it out of the joy. 
out of the joy. That's what we need to do. When we're going to pray for joy, just understand you're going to sit up down there and say, well, Father God, fill me with joy. Well, that's a waste of time. Maybe we, well, I need to pray for joy. And so we sit down there for a half hour. We tell God how bad it is. Well, that's a half hour wasted. God already knows how bad it is. We can explain and lay out our case. Father God, I need joy. I feel so empty. God says, I don't care about how you feel. What's the word of God say? What we need to do is, is model ourselves after uh, the whole host of scriptures I gave you before about the tribulation and such. Go back there and take a look at them. We need to model ourselves after these people. These are people who came out of trials and tribulations. And in the midst of those, right out they come out from there, they're saying, I am filled with joy. I am full of joy. Tests and trials, full of joy, full of joy. And that's what they're acting out of. I need to change my prayers. Father, the tests and trials are increasing on my faith. They're trying to get me to steer off of the word of God. They're trying to get me to not do this to stop believing that God does these things, that God will help me, that God will change this or do this. I thank you, Father. I do not give in to the tests and trials, but the joy that is on the inside of me because the Holy Spirit is down the inside of me. And because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of me, his joy comes with him. He moves in with joy. Joy is on the inside of me. I'm going to respond out of the joy. That's what we do. See, and you can pray in two minutes and, be, and have more effect then you would 30 minutes of complaining before God about how bad your situation is. About all the things that you're going through. You don't need to do that. It's a waste of time. 30 minutes or two minutes, which is that, what you want to do. Yeah, well, that's not five minutes. That's right. Spend two minutes praying. There are three minutes just rejoicing. That's all you got to do. Five minutes, you're done. You've had a more effective prayer than you would if you did anything else. You want to pray for joy? Understand, God, you are the unlimited source. The Holy Spirit is a perfect conduit to bring that joy to me. My spirit on the inside of me is a perfect reservoir to hold that joy. We don't have any problem in there, and I've been doing what I need to do to maintain. Make sure that you do that, because if you drop off on the maintenance, you're not spending time with the Holy Spirit. You're not listening to what He says to do. You're not into the Word of God, learning from the Word of God. You're not letting the Holy Spirit speak to you. You're not letting Him refine you and develop you. If you don't do those things, that's why your joy is not there. You've cut off the connection. Prayer's not going to change that. Actions do. Father God, I will respond. I will obey. I will do with the things that he says. You can repent. That's the start. But you've got to get back there and start doing it. That's right. You've got to listen. Father, the Holy Spirit told me to get back here and do this. I missed that. I didn't do it. I'm going to go back on there today and get right to it. Now, you're behind. But that's all right. You can get caught up. I'll help you get caught up. It's better that you listen. It would have been better for you if you just listened in the first place and did what he said to do. But you didn't. <laughs> It's not that your joy isn't full. It's not that the joy isn't there to be full. It's not that the joy can't get to you. The joy can get to you. You've got to do the things that you need to do. It's not that God ran out of joy. It's not that God forgot about you. You've got to maintain that relationship. You do those things. Father God, I thank you that my actions today are going to be born out of this joy. Born out of this joy. Joy is what you need when there are tests and trials and persecutions all about you. That's when you need joy. You don't need joy much of the other time. This is when you need joy. Thank God joy is always with us. It never leaves. But this is the time that you really need it. Really need it. Going back to the car example. When I had, the first car I had was not a, a big car. It was a small engine car. And I remember uh, one time I was moving stuff back from Tulsa. And I had loaded up the car with all the stuff I was bringing back from Tulsa. It just barely fit into the car. But we got it all into the car. And the car was coming along. It was doing okay through all the, the, the things that we were doing. Uh, but, you know, most of the time I was driving, it was flat. 
wasn't a whole lot of, you know, it's, it's not hard for a, a car to drive on a flat area. But then we got into the area of uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania, especially Pennsylvania. When I got into Pennsylvania, now you're in the hill. You're going up, you're going down, you're going up, you're going down. And so during those times of tests and trials for that car, which was carrying all that weight, little tiny car engine, carrying all that weight, going up the hill, that car was struggling to get the, uh, the car up to speed. And it was so bad that I was, I was not even maintaining the minimum speed for the road. So I got an idea and I pulled off of the turnpike and I pulled into a gas station. And you know how they have regular and plus and the high octane stuff. I never buy the high octane. I've never had a car that needed me to buy the high octane stuff. I could always buy the regular stuff. And so I was just always buying the regular stuff. But I thought maybe if I put the high octane into this little car, it might help it out. So I put the, I think at that time it was Amico 93. It was a 93 uh, on the rating on the octane. And we put that stuff in there. And sure enough, it helped it out when we hit it on those hills. It was zipping right on up the hill. No problem in there. It was doing pretty good. You see, when the tests or trials come, that's when it tests what's on the inside of you. That's when the tests or trials are coming. That car didn't need high octane most of the time that I drove it around. But it needed it then. Why? Because of the hills. Because of the tests and trials that were coming against that car, carrying that weight up those hills. That's when you need the joy. You want to maintain the reservoir of joy all your Christian walk so that when the tests and trials come, it's there. And you can respond out of it. And you can act out of it. And your prayers are, Father God, I thank you that you have filled me with the joy of the Lord. I am filled with the joy of the Lord. I have listened to what the Holy Spirit has said. I have done the things that He has told me to do to get ready. This test and trial is here and I will have my actions born out of the joy that is inside, not out of frustration, not out of grief, not out of anything else. I'm going to have it come out of joy. Count it all joy, brethren, brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. It will produce something. It'll produce something good. The devil throws the tests and trials against you to destroy you. The same way in the parable, he threw the tests and trials to take the word from the people who received it. He does it for the purpose to destroy you. But God says, I have put the joy on the inside. And you respond out of that joy and you will overcome and it will produce patience on the inside of you. And when it produces patience, patience will have its perfect work on the inside. Oh, you'll be made ready for what's coming up ahead. You're going to pray for joy? Make sure you pray correctly. Pray efficiently. Pray effectively. Don't have to be long. Prayers don't have to be long. We're going to get into what kind of prayer should be long, but we don't need to, to do that for this part. We're looking at how to pray effectively. And you can pray for joy real quick. How many would say right now you're going through some parts in your life, there's some tests, there's some trials, there's some things that are coming against you. Now understand, true tests and trials come because of the Word. Sometimes tests and trials people fall into is because they were stupid. They did something they shouldn't have done. That's not the kind of test and trial we're talking about here. Tests and trials come because of the Word. Because you are living the Word, because you receive the Word, because you understand something in the Word, and you are putting that Word to work, tests and trials will come to try and squash it. People will come and try and squash it. So often the devil uses people 
to try and stop you from believing. Look at Paul's life. Constantly send people along. Jewish people, non-Jewish people. Believers, non-believers. Constantly send all these people out there to try and stop them. People will be sent against you to get you to stop. You're believing for your finances and people at work start messing with you. You get the word of God for health and healing and people all around you are telling you you're going to die. People will rise up against you. There'll be tests and trials about that. But the joy of the Lord is down on the inside of you to help you out. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. That the joy of the Lord is full on the inside. Because we have maintained a relationship with the Holy Spirit who is the one who brings that joy to us. It comes from you, comes to us, and we are made full. We thank you that with a full reservoir of joy, we can respond. But there are many things that try and keep us from responding from the joy. And when we pray, we need to focus on that one part. Father, we need to act out of the joy of the Lord and not out of the fear, not out of the grief, not out of the frustration, not out of the other things that try and take its place, but act out of the joy. We give you the praise and the glory for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we go on and have our covered dish dinner, it is our first Sunday of the month, and we have communion to share with each other. As the ushers come around, Take a, some of the bread, some of the juice. Whenever we serve, we will begin. But Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, boy, this is the night he was going to be facing some tests and trials. <laughs> this is the night that the enemy was coming against him with everything. What does he need to respond from? From joy. And you'll see him in the garden beforehand. What's he doing? He is praying. He is getting himself ready. He is maintaining that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is coming and ministering to him. And the Holy Spirit is bringing with him joy. Now, it doesn't mean happiness. It doesn't mean that Jesus was happy with what was going on. But he could still be out of joy. And so every time that they came and they were persecuting him, does he respond out of frustration? Does he respond out of grief? Out of disappointment for the people who let him down? He doesn't do any of that. Most of the times he is silent. And they're amazed that he sits there quietly. While all this persecution, all these things are being done. He's being beaten, humiliated, and he doesn't respond. He just keeps going. That's responding out of joy. That's listening. All right, what's the, what's the joy on the inside of me saying to do? What's the Holy Spirit on the inside of me leading me to do? And we speak out of that because we all know how easy and how quick it is to speak out of grief, out of discouragement. How easy it is to speak out of these. Don't, don't be speaking out of those things. No, Father God, you have made my joy full. Now, where are we going with this? What is it that you want to do? What is it that you want to accomplish? How is it that I can be your minister in this situation with this persecution, with this test, with this trial that's going on? How is it that I can minister for you? And you listen to the Holy Spirit and what he has to say. Oh, yeah, he'll give you some good things to do. Then you respond out of the joy. And all the end product, oh, it's a whole lot better than when we respond out of those other things. But on the night that Jesus was betrayed, taken to the cross, he started off dinner in the upper room. And he first off, he took the bread before anything was served, before anything was done. 
He took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this bread represents my body, which is broken for you. Sickness and disease is not part of the tests and trials that we are to get. We have been delivered and set free from them. And he said, I want you to remember this all the time because it's going to come against you that you're going to begin to think, no, I'm not. And he says, yes, you are. And this is to remind you every time. So as we eat together, let's remember Jesus Christ bore in his body our sickness, our disease, the curse that was put on us so that we don't have to. Let's eat together. The same night after supper, he took the cup. He said, this represents the blood of the new covenant. So often as you do this, remember. We are to remember that in the old covenant, it was the blood of bulls and goats. Every time someone sinned, something had to die. Blood had to be shed. But Jesus said, not so anymore. Because the blood of the Lamb would wash away all sin. His one sacrifice took care of all the sins that would come. And now all we need to do is let Him wash us clean. If we do miss it, we just come back to God and say, Father God, I blew it. I missed it. He says, all right, come on. Jesus' blood covered that one too. We just need to come and confess it before him. Let's remember, we're in the new covenant, not the old. He has washed us clean so we can stand in the presence of God. Let's drink together. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, for the fact the sacrifice you did, sending your only son down here on this earth to die for sinners. While we were yet sinners, you sent Christ to die for us. Thank you for the help that you give us. I thank you that in us, our joy is filled, is full. Holy Spirit comes to us bringing the joy that comes from you to fill up our reservoirs on the inside. As long as we maintain that connection with him, that joy is continually filled up and full. And our actions can be based upon the joy, and not based upon other things. Thank you for the help that you give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.